Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Crossing Swords. Welcome, pleasure to have you. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jake, I'm still Jake, still, still knocking on. Yeah, he's still always Jake. Uh, this week we're doing a bit of a deeper one, uh, it's going to be about homelessness. This is one particularly I wanted to talk about and Jake's quite passionate about. Um, about I, ending it, just to be clear. Yeah, we're not, not passionate not about passionate increasing. about homelessness. Yeah, we're not like, do you know what, these about homeless the, people. About the plight of the homeless. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's and what's passion lies. So I think how it's all going to go, I'm going to throw some stats out there, Jake's going to sort of react to it, and then once I've gone through the stats, we'll have a discussion about the root causes and then mm. what we think is needed to tackle it going forward. Sounds like a plan, my man. Right, well, to start off with, um, in 2018, uh, 320,000 people were recorded as homeless, which is a 13,000 rise on 2017, which is roughly a 4% rise. Mm, and I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but um, as the, the key words that you mentioned there were recorded. Yeah. Uh, well, and we'll get into well, it, but it's a really dirty well, one thing issue I will between say with councils and the government. All of these uh, stats, I read this huge report on homeless.org.uk. Uh, for 2017, they didn't have the full one for 2018 yet, was that only a handful of the charities that deal with it respond, not all of the councils respond, and when they do, the information is very spotty and at times unreliable, so very likely these numbers are conservative, if anything else. It's much They're definitely low No, it's definitely, definitely much higher. Um, and on top of that, um, there's no stats for the hidden homeless. There's people who squat. There's people who won't be living in front of buildings and well, shops. This is it. And, and also, what people in in you know temporary accommodation, sheltered accommodation, technically they are without home. They have no permanent place. Yeah, sheltered accommodation is included within homeless. Just to be clear. But again, how many of those are being recorded? How many of those are being? Well, exactly. I mean, it, like the majority. From what, and I'll go into it, is that the majority of help being given isn't by local councils, it's by charitable organisations. Well, local councils, and I, I said I was going to go into this later, but I will say it's one of the dirtiest, dirtiest things. It shows yeah. that we place our, our bureaucracy over our people and our skills or humanity. whatever. It's, it's over our humanity, quite, and yeah. that's the word, in that councils will frequently pay a, a travel fare. To for, get them out the of their region. To just get them out of their district. Well, the royal wedding, Meghan and Harry, it was well documented that they paid to get people out of Windsor, didn't and they? And they'll quite happily pay the fare, and it's someone else's problem. And it's just one and way. it's horribly just to get rid dirty. Of it's horribly, horribly dirty. Yeah. No humanity. I know our local council's No humanity shown at all. Um, the worst region in the country is London, mm. and south-east London as well. Um, but... The fastest growing areas in terms of homelessness is the Midlands, Yorkshire, Humber and the North West. So far the government's put £1.2 billion to tackle the issue. Now that may sound like a lot but when you stretch it across the entire country and we're including Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, it's, it's nothing mm. in reality. Um, and these figures, um, as I've said before, are the people who have been in contact with either local councils or charitable organisations, it doesn't include anyone who doesn't no, have no, access no to one's, services. No one's going out, spotting them and ticking them on a list, counting no, them up. No. And it's the other thing of the, the, the 1.2 billion, just touched on it, it's, it's so cloudy. We've already spoken about the fact that we have no humanity. Yeah. That 1.2 billion, a chunk of it, it wouldn't surprise me to hear. And I'm, I'm making accusations now, I would admit yeah. that I'm, this is based on nothing. 
But it wouldn't surprise me to hear that part of that's going to hide the problem rather than deal with the problem. Yeah, you'll probably find a percentage of that is used as a budget for train tickets to yeah. get them out. Yeah, and they'll areas. consider that as being yeah. part of the dealing with the homeless issue. Yeah. Because they're like, well, you've given us a budget and we've reduced the homelessness in our and area. And councils having to pay for bailiffs to get rid of squatters out of derelict buildings and things like that. Yeah, all of that so, I, I um, imagine is covered in the... And yeah, as mentioned before, these figures are collated by uh, taking numbers from temporary accommodation, people sleeping rough that are visible in front of buildings and shops and whatnot, hostel numbers, um, but as said before, these numbers are very much conservative and low mm, Um Definitely. Uh, what this means is that one in 200 Brits are either sleeping in sleeping rough or in temporary accommodation, which is just... And I, 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 you and I both believe that that number is actually much higher. And as you can imagine, the worst demographic for people that are homeless are single people because they are the lowest rung on the ladder. There's approximately 200,000 single people that are It's also, it's also the thing of um, financially together, if you're in a couple, you only need a one bed, one yeah. bedroom place and you can pull your money to achieve that. Yeah. Whereas if you're single, you still need that one bed. 100%. So you're immediately doubling the costs yeah and on any given night up to 77,000 people could be experiencing homelessness that's that's on top of the original number of people that are homeless so like you or me being kicked out by family or whatever and not having anywhere to go mm. all sorts of circumstances um, the ladder of priority I found out for local councils to house people it starts off with homes with dependent children yeah. Uh, pregnant women, uh, and then caused by emergency. So, for example, people being affected by floods, and um, for example, the Grenfell. I wonder. Let's not get into the Grenfell thing. No. But, um, no, but no. I wonder. Um, and this is just thinking out loud. Do you think the uh, the emergency people covered under emergency things? Do you think that includes people who are victim of domestic uh, violence and domestic abuse? They would be, con I would imagine from what I've read, they would come under the last um, section, which is vulnerable people, which, oh, right, basi okay, so vulnerable which people basically describes single people. So if someone was a victim of domestic violence and have left their partner, they would, I imagine, go under that category. Fine. And more often than not, these people are turned away by their councils and end up having to go it's a very interesting to thing. charities. It's a very interesting thing to me the term vulnerable people because first of all it elicits from the more humanitarian amongst us mm. it elicits a, a, a picture of um, vulnerability it pictures yeah. weakness it pictures people who need help yeah. and I'm not saying the people above the list don't but no. you think anyone that could be termed vulnerable would not be bottom of the list to no. you or I and also the other thing that, that interests me about that is it's such a blanket term it's such an umbrella term. You can literally shove anyone under that term. Yeah. And you can easily, especially if that's the bottom rung, you could easily pick any aspect of anyone's life and say, well, that makes you vulnerable. You get to the back of the queue. Yeah. But the one thing they didn't include in their assessment, and I've only learned from watching things like, if you can't pay, we'll take it away, are people who've made themselves what they call intentionally homeless. Um, so you have situations like... 
Um, and it's, again, it was something I'll touch on, but when people are on housing benefits, for example, more often than not, because there's not enough social housing, they'll get housed in private accommodation. And at the start, their housing benefit will be enough to cover it. But as soon as that rent goes up, and depending on the financial, if you are moved into a property in March, and you've just been put in private accommodation the following month, you might be told your rent's going up £100 a month. Mm. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but if you're on housing benefit, your housing benefit stays at what it's at. So you're instantly in rent arrears. Yeah. And then when it gets too much and the private landlord evicts you, and bear in mind, in between that space of time, the council will do nothing to help people because they're not homeless yet. No, and we've already um, discussed as well, if, if you want to, we touched upon, if you listen yeah. back to our episode on, on, on Boris Johnson, we've already touched upon the, the, the fact that in large parts of the country now operate under universal credit, which is even... Again, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that as well. So sorry, bro, um, I didn't mean to step on your toes. No, it's, it's one of these... Um, subjects where you touch on one little thread and it connects you to pull it a thread and it unravels yeah. the whole thing um, yeah, quite. so yeah in those situations people are then evicted from their property because they're in thousands of pounds of rent arrears and then the council won't help them or they won't be priority unless they have children because they're intentionally homeless um, insert air quotes um, and it's, it's also I find as well I'm, I'm, I've, I've, because I've, I have worked or do work currently uh, with a homeless charity. Yeah, you do. So it's, it's one and of those I don't think things we can name like them, Emmaus. I'm quite on the, not quite on the front lines, but I mm. deal with people who have been in the homeless situation and, and some of them, and it ranges from, you know, like they say, sheltered accommodation all the way through to couch surfing right down to sleeping yeah. rough. But one of the things that I found as well is that just talking about intentionally making yourself homeless, there'll be situations where the, the living arrangements become so unbearable with your family for example um just to pick one at random sexuality you yeah. come out as gay now the family's not come out and banned you but they it, immediately, so it immediately becomes an incredibly yeah really and it's it's damaging to your mental in, health you can't live in that situation and so you leave but they say well no one forced you out no so you're intentionally so homeless. you've made the choice to yeah. go homeless and it's 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 stuff like that that just makes me sick and quite often in those sort of situations, it drives people to stuff like squatting. And originally I thought squatters were quite scummy, and, and I'm sure some of them can be. But having watched some stuff on squatters, quite often they're just very desperate people that have come together mm. to look after each other and find wherever they can that's safe to live. No, and it's the, it's, it's the thing that, whenever I think of the, that, that making yourself intentionally homeless thing, with the, with the stuff that I was sort of talking about, it always makes me think it, it's the... It's the clear difference between operating like a business yeah. and operating as a community as people as yeah. human beings because in the business sense you can say yeah you did make yourself no one forced you out you've yeah, now so put, you've now, you've now put us in a position yeah. where we have to pay you when previously we didn't but then you look at it from the human from, from the human aspect and you say well in a country as that rich would, as ours you, you didn't should... make yourself open. you chose to, to yeah. benefit your own mental health you know and it's it's yeah it's um, Very questionable. Another stat is between April sixteenth and March, uh, April two thousand sixteen and March two thousand seventeen. I was say, you're about to be really specific. Then in that one day gap, um, one hundred and fifteen thousand five hundred and eighty people applied as homeless because you have to apply to your council to mm. declare yourself as homeless. Um, and of that, nineteen thousand four hundred and sixty were deemed non-priority, which is about seventeen percent. So they would have been turned away, and the only help they would have got is um, going to a charity. Um, the council would have done absolutely nothing for them. Yeah, and, and 
the charities are over the charities are now in a position as well again I say speaking sort of from experience where they're having to prioritise because the, the number of homelessness is rising so much and so oh, rapidly that more and more people are now applying and the, 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 the setup of a mayor is just to give you a brief outline of how it works is and I had a thing and I said I mentioned this in my interview actually is that I always had this dream of if I ever won the lottery like euro million you know proper proper mm. money not to mug off the four million or whatever that the, the national lottery gives no. you but proper money I thought once I'd settled myself and set up a few dream careers here and there and a few projects one of the things that I would do is invest in tackling homelessness and that would involve mm. uh, a building community where and my dream was to have a, a community where we take people off the streets they live there they work they they're conditions free but they're subject to random inspections they have to be drug free yeah. um alcohol free they have to be clean or, or what is deemed a reasonably amount of they can't be messy hoarders yeah, and everything yeah. all over the place and then we'd work with local local companies to to at least ensure that they interview a certain number of our yeah, um, absolutely. things and whatever and actually Mayos operates under a very very similar thing so they have communities set up whereby people get referred to them yeah. who are in a homeless situation and they can live there they get a small they get they, you know they get fed they get a roof over their head they get their travel money covered if they've got to go anywhere for what you know to various shops and stuff because that's yeah. the thing is on the condition that they work five days a week yeah. in the thing they get holiday yeah. same as you're right um, and they get a small allowance of about 120 pound I think it is at the end of the month that's in our Emmaus anyway which is a London Emmaus and then yeah. you know and I remember speaking to some of the drivers who were talking about it and and their van drivers who's collecting furniture and stuff and they always said like it's they know people who work full time who don't have that much money left over at the end of the month no. after paying rent and food and stuff. And I'm not saying it's great money; it's not. No. But you know they're right. There are people who work full time who can't. Who have nothing left at the end of the month. Who can't afford 120 pounds at the end of the month. But anyway, that that setup and like I said, they're taking people on, and obviously they've got to think about a community aspect. So they've got to think about embedding people into a community, making sure it's not going to come in and disrupt yeah. it. Also, they've got to prioritise about who needs the help because we're, they're getting so many people referring themselves and being referred on they they don't have the rooms they don't have no. the space um and it's becoming it is becoming worse and worse and worse and i mean we'll, we'll talk about the, the i mean the even reasons, in our local area now i'd never really other than in like main high streets mm. seen homeless people mm. Um, and and this that. is just this is the thing. This is just the rough sleepers that we're talking about. Yeah. They're the ones that you yeah. can physically but identify as being homeless yeah, when you walk down you the know, street. I'm now starting to see some that are sleeping in residential areas and any space they can feel safe and it and just it's madness. No, I mean Ed Sheeran before he before he broke big was, used to sleep rough in New York. Oh, well, no, he did. But he's, what I was going to say is he didn't used to. He didn't. He wasn't at the stage of sleeping rough, but he was couch surfing. Yeah. He was literally hopping a few days at one friend, a few days at another, mm. and it's that kind of thing of obviously he's big now and whatever, but he was homeless. He, he was homeless. It's, yeah. it's and that's someone you know. That's someone clearly identifiable in the media, who's experienced directly experienced homelessness. Yeah. Uh, now talking about services in the country, there's one thousand one hundred and two hundred projects for homelessness. Hmm. in this country now that can range from charities like yours Emmaus or something like a little food yeah a night watch that do food um, nights for the homeless and 
sleep rough nights to raise money for them and things like that and it's also including accommodation day centres mm. all that sort of thing um, in the country there's 196 day centres so they're centres that might be available to help homeless people perhaps write CVs or give them food somewhere to wash and clean themselves up all that sort of thing that might have spare clothes um, there has been a 5% decrease in accommodation available across the country um, for people there's an 8% decrease in day centres uh, bed spaces overall have decreased by 3% roughly 34,497 beds have gone 39% um, of accommodations that responded to these surveys which like I said at the beginning not everyone does have the resources to respond um, because they're handling a lot of people and a lot of information and they might not even have the systems in place to... No, because they're busy actually helping helping people. homeless people yeah. rather than counting them yeah. and, and collecting the data. Um, and 39% of the accommodations that did respond reported a decrease in funding. 38% had no change in funding and only 15% had an increase. Um, and with these accommodation services, 74% of them are needed to continue to offer support to these people even after they've moved on from living with them. So the job's not done just because they found somewhere to live. So it's not quite. It's not just, uh, all right, we've given them a bed. You know, it's, it's so much more than that. Um, and also, once people are in these services, it's not as simple as being like, all right, now we've written them a CV, they've got a job, um, let's find them somewhere to live. People use, <coughs> using these services have serious barriers to moving on. And the main one is affordable homes. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I have to say that, and I'll say this again from personal experience that the with with the mayor, they they are fantastic at helping people move on, and they stay in contact afterwards if the people are willing to stay in contact and and help them. And a lot of people yeah. who who have moved on do come back and volunteer and stuff, but as a, which sort of because shows how much it helped them. It is yeah. and for the people it works for. It really does work for the biggest. But one of the biggest adjustments that people make to being in the communities is the nine to five thing. It's the working aspect people really some people really struggle with that and it means that unfortunately then they can't have a place there yeah um but what i was going to say is in terms of the affordable accommodation sorry tangenting off one of the most popular ways that people move on is through there's a, a, a number of communities that are sort of like semi-retirement home they're they're, they're no they're not semi-retirement they're homes for people of a certain age so okay. 55 and over yeah. And there's a few places like that around, particularly around this area, there's a couple. And it's obviously, it's reduced rates. Yeah. Um, whether that's because there's an expectation from those communities that, you know, you can't work as much. Yeah. When you're, well, whatever, anyway. And the most, one of the most popular ways that people do move on is by waiting to hit the 55 mark. Really? And then, because it's cheaper accommodation, they yeah. can actually afford it and they can actually move on. Um, but it's it it's not the only way people do get out, you know, other ways. But yeah, it's mm. one of the most common, I would say. And also with all these figures, um, they gave a graph of what groups were giving the most information, like the share of the pie, so to speak. The largest was the charities, despite not having enough resources, were giving them as much information as possible. The lowest was a private company which they didn't want to name for legal purposes that deals with um, <coughs> homelessness. The second worst was local councils. 
Yeah, local councils really don't want to tell you about no, the problems. No, they don't. You said they want to move it on. They want to be. They don't want a part of it. No. Um, and now on to funding. In 2017, they put 139 million additional to the budget to tackle homelessness. 20% of that went to the private sector. Uh, 20 million, sorry, went to the private sector, and only 28 million went to the three worst areas to pilot new housing. And 28 million is not going to go anywhere. Shocking. That's shocking. Um, housing services had a 21% decrease since 2010. Mm. Um, in real terms, that means a 59% reduction in housing-related support, um, and on, yeah, and only a quarter of services that give accommodation have 10 beds or less. So that means the rest will be less than 10 no, beds. No, and, and I will I will say this, not to just you mentioning the year 2010 there, not to turn this into some kind of Tory bashing thing mm. or make out that before under. <laughs> under Brown and Blair that there wasn't a homeless issue and of course no. it was rising even then but a big part of what the Tories did was and as, as I've mentioned it now because you're on to funding was cut funding and not um, yeah. and not specifically for homelessness but for one of the biggest reasons one of the biggest one of the big contributory factors in the rise in homelessness or the rapid rise in homelessness is the the cut in funding or the drastic cut in funding of mental health services yeah. that, that were undertook by the Tories and of course that means that Oh, and that just doesn't include high priority people with you know schizophrenia and, and uh, BPD and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's it's even little things like you know people with depression. It's you miss days of work. Yeah. People with depression, and then if you're missing days of work, you're missing money. Yeah. And this is one of the things that someone a a, a, a potential partner of of the charity once told me, and it stuck with me as something that I now tell members of the public and stuff yeah. in terms of of helping the plight of the homeless um although ironically this guy was very well off lived in a lovely little mansion out in the, i mean i've been to his house it's, i was like i don't think you'll he's saying this line i'm like i don't think this applies to you at all no. but it's a lovely line he said the, the the big the biggest draw to him personally as a homeless charity to help homeless charity is that we're all only ever one paycheck away from homelessness ourselves absolutely and okay maybe maybe some of us because the majority of the country are working class or upper working class in which case okay maybe you're three or four paychecks away yeah but you're only ever you're not far you're, you're only not a few far away from homelessness, homelessness. yourself yeah. at all absolutely um, and that's the other thing i think because when i started working with the charity a lot of a lot of you did get a lot of resistance of people who just thought homelessness was that you know people are homeless because they're drug addicts people are homeless because they've got you know, mental health issues, but severe mental health issues. And you're yeah. like, that's not even close to being the case. Some people just, you know... I've just been really unlucky. They just lost their job, and they couldn't yeah. find it. They just couldn't find another one, because the job market was decreasing. You yeah. know, there were fewer and fewer jobs, and in that time, they weren't able to pay their rent, they weren't able to pay their yeah. mortgage, and they were quite on their home. You know, at the LGBT thing, especially now with the rise of the far right, yeah, it's more and more... Before, it was a little bit like, well, even if I don't agree with my LGBT child... I can't kick them out because you know everyone will judge, and now they're like, no, I don't care if they judge. Some might even agree. Some might even get on my side, yeah, and they'll want. happily kick them out. And and yeah. all these things, all these things that that, that that can cause homelessness, and it's yeah, there's a lot of it caused by the lack of funding. Absolutely. Um, so, a couple more stats. Um, only eight percent of services, twenty four percent of the services for accommodation are in London slash South East London um, and only 8% of the 
of of those services have a hundred beds or more. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we we have uh, places for about all in all across about three sites, two sites. We're getting a third site, which is great because I've seen the charity grow whilst being yeah. there. But um, overall, I would say we've got about forty to fifty beds, mm. um, which is fantastic. It, it, and that's the thing it is but at the same time it's, it's not, not because there's so yeah. many yeah. that aren't but in general bed spaces in the UK were down 3% in 2017 and I just want to say I feel really sorry for the, the, the guy who is in charge of the community in terms of getting people in helping them doing their appointments all this and that I, I feel so sorry for him in having to deal with A turning people away because I've been on the phone I've I've intercepted the initial phone calls yeah. with people who and and they do they're desperate yeah. and I've or again I've been at the fade of the point of contact where people come in asking to be referred and they're so the way and okay yeah, yeah look not to sound simple but some of them do put on a bit of a show some of them want to make it seem like it's worse than it is yeah but it is really it's, still it's even still it's really tough yeah. to say no but also the other thing of when people don't follow rules of the community. So there's a street zero alcohol, zero subjects on site. You can go and have a drink, you can go down the pub, but not yeah. a single drop of it is allowed on the site. Yeah. Um, and some of them will just have a can and they'll forget about it, they'll have it in their pocket kind of thing and it'll... Um, and there is a lot of lenience with that, so you, you know, there's warnings and stuff rather than straight just out. Strike but, you know, anything out, like yeah. fighting and stuff and people have bad days. But ultimately, rules are there to be followed. They make it very clear. Everyone has to it's be safe. Really, really, it's really they hammer it down the throats of like yeah. these are the big no nos. Even if you're having a bad day, you just you just can't afford to do it. No. And so again, I feel sorry from having to kick people Deal out with and put things. them put people who you've helped take uh, homelessness away from being an issue for them Give and it force it them. upon them yeah. again. No, I can't imagine what that must feel like. No, I think that's, as much as there's some great aspects of his job and some really rewarding aspects, that's definitely something that I don't think I can handle. No, I agree. Um, two of the main dangers of being homeless is you're 17 times more likely to be a victim of violent crime. Yeah. And one of the others is you're nine times more likely to die by suicide than a normal member of the general public. And there's also the, uh, all the other knock-on effects of uh, like malnourishment. Yeah. And I mean, again, we had a we had a guy come to us, who was, um, and he had many. He had um, he was lazy, he was blah blah blah. But one of the things was he was so malnourished that he was so small and weak mm. that there were only about three jobs in the entire business manage. that he could actually handle. And even then, for the first bit, it was on a part time basis. Yeah. Whilst they fed up. him and built him back up again yeah. um, and it was fantastic to see the turnaround in him going from being this lazy guy that couldn't do anything to this lazy guy that wouldn't do anything to actually a, I'm not going to call him like a model employee and he wasn't one of the hardest workers by any stretch no, but, but he, he pulled his weight yeah. he started pulling his weight and it was a big improvement to see and then unfortunately he, he got in a fight and got, got turfed out that's a shame that, that is a real shame yeah but it just shows it the knock-on effects from having been homeless. It, I think it must put people on edge because they're just constantly afraid. So even when they're in a safe environment again, it won't take a lot to set them off. Mm. Um, now, if we talk about some of the causes of um, homelessness, uh, lack of affordable slash social housing, as we mentioned before, 
Um, as I imagine most people know, or if they don't, there is a serious housing crisis in this country. Um, and even in our local area, they've converted this huge industrial estate into housing. But private housing. But, but it's private housing. Yeah. Now, I, I can imagine the council probably would have negotiated a percentage to be social. I don't think they would have. But even if they did, you're probably going to look at what? Five, maximum eight percent? No, that, that was the thing. that We're talking about lately that there is a homelessness issue in our area. Mm. There are lots of people who aren't just sleeping rough that are still living with parents or whatever or yeah. families that aren't their own families and who are in desperate need of, of affordable housing or social housing and then this great big plot and it is a huge plot yeah. gets converted into flats so you know multi-story not big high-rise towers no three four four five floor five uh, four or five story buildings yeah i believe it's enough homes for four thousand people and yet it's all it's all going to cost you two hundred and fifty thousand oh, pounds and upwards. Um, I actually have a family friend, her daughter's, who works for the Met, I believe. So she'll be on a decent wage. Could only afford to buy a percentage of the mm. property that they're selling there. So she's not even going to be able to own a full. Uh, no, this, the, is, this is the other thing that I want that I want to sort of talk about and touch upon because it's something that's quite personal to me because I've I've only ever worked lower wage bracket jobs. Yeah bottom of the barrel kind of shit and I work full time I'm talking okay not not the hours you do but I'm talking anywhere mm. between sort of minimum 37 38 upwards to about 45 and I like yeah. that, that's not quite the bracket you're doing but well, I that, that's, that's roughly what I do now and in all that time I was never able to I, I was never able to afford to live on my own even in some you know, little play, and what I'm talking about when I say on my own, okay, because you're, you're saying, oh, I'm being picky. What I want, what I, what I say when I want a place of my own, I want personal, I want my own kitchen facilities and my own bathroom facilities. Yeah. I could never afford that. No. You know, not if I then wanted no. to eat. And even then, even when, even when I sort of, even if I thought, oh, if I take on another job, like a, like a couple of days, you know, they'll do the weekend or a couple mm. of nights here and there, I might be able to afford it. It's like, well, then I'm working all the time. Yeah. And what I still don't have any money for is life. Yeah. I still can't afford to go and to you the cinema. Have the time. Or, you know, out for a meal once in a while. And you wouldn't have the time. And I wouldn't have the time anyway. No. And it's like that, I, I'm sorry, but in a, in a country that considers itself a first world country, mm. that should not be the case. Anyone who works full time should be able, should to, afford be able to, to afford to live. Yeah. And I'm not talking luxury, not multi-bedrooms. No, just have a not, basic, just have a basic place to live. Have a place to live that involves yeah. their own yeah. use of toilet facilities and, and I couldn't agree more. Kitchen facilities, and I think it's an absolute joke that that doesn't that that's not in this country. And I think it's one of the things that it's one of our blind spots in the whole Great Britain is great, and it's like it's not. People are working full time, and lots of people. I'm not the yeah. only one by any stretch. People are working full time and cannot afford to support yeah. themselves and live. That is not mm. a first world country. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the next one, and you slightly touched upon it before, is welfare cuts. That's including mental health um, support. It includes benefits being cut. I mean, disability benefits have been cut. I know. And again, and again, vulnerable people. Rob. Well, I was going to say vulnerable people. Vulnerable people, bottom of the pile. Yeah. Literally, the, the get the least. And like, you're just thinking, so wait someone in a wheelchair who physically probably can't go out and earn more money 
I'm sure some can. You've got, but you know what I mean? Like people who are in hard situations, or some of them might be bedridden, can't go out and earn more money, has had their money cut, and you're like, how does that even well, make sense? Well, I mean, sense? If, if they're bedridden, you know, how much can they really spend? <laughs> no, but, no it's, but I it's, joke. But it's a very serious situation. You're, you're one hundred percent right. It's right, and that's why I make such dark jokes. And it's about why it. people being evicted from their homes every year is going up and up. No, as I said, it's why I make such dark jokes about it because if I do anything other than laugh at it, it's just frightening. It is frightening. It's just frightening. Um, when you take away any humorous aspect. It's just scary. And the one thing that's been, um, I think we'll do more on it in the future because it's a big subject, is mm. universal credit. Yeah. Um, but basically, for anyone who doesn't know what universal credit is, prior to it being introduced, someone who was on benefits, so say they were getting tax credits, housing benefit, disability benefit, work support allowance, all that sort of thing, they would get several different payments. Now, like the housing benefit would be paid directly from the government or your local council to your housing association and they would pay mm. your rent for you. Now they're doing it so all your benefits will get merged into one and will get paid to you directly and then you are responsible for paying your and rent, these, these are people your bills. Who, who, and I, I'm, I'm dramatising it now but honestly mm. it's not that much of a dramatisation because we both know people who are in this situation where these are people who don't eat a meal every day because they can't yeah. afford to and suddenly they're being given all this money hmm. you think they're not going to go and spend it on Treating food themselves or... and, and new clothes because yeah. all their clothes have got like holes and rips in it and they to afford them if you think they're not going to go and spend it on that and these, this is food and and this is by the way food and clothes which are it's not basic luxuries. human rights it's not even luxuries and you think they can, they're not going to go and spend it on that and that's You're exactly what's and happened you know what, though? I'm not looking at them going oh well you should have saved that money was for your house I'm like no fucking right you're hungry, go and eat. Yeah, I mean, my fion- my future mother-in-law, I should say, is on several um, different benefits. She's classified as disabled and whatnot. And uh, about a year ago, we got the first warning about universal credit coming in. Mm. Now, she's not on it, thankfully. Um, but, not- but my point I'm going to make is, if she didn't have my fiancé, who's tech-savvy, can use technology and can do these sorts of things, my future brother-in-law would be buggered, essentially. Because mm. she doesn't know how to use a laptop. She doesn't have a smartphone. You know, she finds it difficult to phone people. She finds it difficult to go out the house. And there's a thing, what about people with anxiety? How do you exactly. deal with paying someone when the previously it's been dealt with? Yeah. And I know that seems like a little thing if you don't no, but suffer it's with not. it. If, but if you do suffer with it, or you've seen somebody suffer with it, I then mean, you know. I'll be fair to the general public, before having been with my fiance and been exposed a bit more to anxiety for a while. No, and look, during the mental health episode you were very open about this, about your Yeah, I can understand views. why people are quite sceptical, but genuinely things like anxiety are genuinely crippling. So sometimes for people the idea of having to phone someone and pay them it's really frightening. Mm. No, absolutely. And um, also, you've got the, the vulnerable, and again, this vulnerable people, this blanket. Mm. Some of those vulnerable people are going to be people with... Um, mental disabilities yeah. like who fall at various places on the autism scale now yeah. or on the spectrum rather now some people are obviously very high functioning yeah. uh, people on the spectrum but some are not some no. are not physically capable of, of handling mm. those responsibilities and that's why they're on the, mm. the benefits because they can't they don't have the capacity to handle the responsibility no. of, of full-time work and of handling their own finances I know it sounds cruel but also, that's and also just in general terms 
we aren't raised, and it's one thing me and you have spoken about, not on the pod before, but in general, is that we aren't educated to handle our finances. No, and, and we've, we've said this before, I mean, we briefly talked about... You know, like, to be honest with you, I thought about getting a credit card. I don't know the first thing about credit cards. Well, interestingly, just to, just to go into it, I recently have, and I've been meaning to get one for about four or five years, yeah. but I recently did, sat down, looked into what the best one, I immediately knew there were about two or three companies mm. that I wanted to go with, just because they have the best reputations, they offer the yeah. best coverage and protection and insurance, mm. um, and I did get one, and I immediately, I've switched all my, because I know I'm not going to be using it to get big loans or no. pay people off, I'm literally just using it to build my credit score and that's yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm doing is I'm yeah. putting things like Netflix and stuff, I've gone straight on the card. Well, the thing is, the reason I thought about getting one before I'd have never even considered it, um, I watched a you uh, Google Summit where they had the guy from Catch Me If You Can, Frank Abagnale Jr. Okay. And obviously he's a credit expert. Um, having been a, a credit fraud yes. in the past, <laughs> does make you and good at he it. says make you knowledgeable. the worst invention on the planet is a debit card. He says you're liable for every penny that's on that debit well, card. Well, this is it. I'm Whereas right. with a credit card, so like he said, for example, before I got a credit card, I got scammed for two grand from a petrol station. Okay. He said it took four months to get my money back. In that time, I still had bills to pay, yeah. kids to feed. He said I was absolutely ruined. He said five years down the line, I have a credit card. Someone scams that for ten thousand dollars. I'm not liable for it. And here's the thing. Let's just touch upon it quickly. Just bring it back around to homeless yeah. thing. And that the fact we're all a paycheck away from it. Yeah. There were there's a. I mean, I don't know the exact statistic, but I watched a thing recently, a report on scammers. Mm. And the problem is, scammers are so great and convincing. Now, and I'm not saying, but I, what I'm what I'm not saying is you're a fucking idiot for one for a scam because they're yeah. so believable and they're so easy to fall for. Yeah. But. If you send it by direct debit, what they call is, I think that it's, um, it's it's pushing the button, or it's a term like that, mm. where they said the second you push that button, as you said, you're liable, you yeah, try yeah. to send that money, but you do it through a credit card, you're covered and you're insured. Yeah. So they say, do every every online payment, yeah. anything like that, do it through a credit card. Yeah, so what? But let's, but, but let's say you've been scammed. Yeah. Whose fault is that? I know, okay, okay, you can say, well, it's your fault because you've got scammed, you're an idiot. But mm. let's say you've got scammed. And it's a really convincing scam and you're not in a great place, you're very busy, you're very yeah. brushed around because you're working full time, whatever. And now you could, like you say, you're, you're, someone's taken all your money and you're now potless. Yeah. With bills to pay. Yeah. Whose fault is that? And now then that person is at risk yeah. of homelessness. Because of what? Absolutely. Because they got they fell victim to a crime. Yeah. They were a victim yeah. of a crime and now they're going to be if a victim of homelessness. If someone was mugged, you feel sorry for them. Yes. So... If someone mugged them and took all their money, yeah. it's exactly the same thing. Mm. You go, well, it's not their fault. They were a victim. Well, well exactly. 100%. But anyway, sorry. We, we, no, we no, that's all right. We um, uh, the next one was sanctions on people with benefits. So one of the things... Uh, that, well, again, we touched on this in the Boris Johnson thing. Yeah, it's people being punished for not hitting certain criteria when they're on benefits, things like job seekers, dif- disability benefits, um, and it's 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 really unfair. I mean, I'm sure there are some people that abuse systems. Yeah, but again, it's it's being run like a business. Somebody yeah. in an office decides you've broken a rule. Yeah. Stops your money and then it takes months and, to resolve. And so also, sometimes you've not even broken a rule. No, and that's it. And even if they come, and we again, this is something we said in the Boris Johnson episode, even if they come back 
months down the line and said, you mm. know what, Abab, we fucked up. You actually yeah. did nothing wrong. Well, that's months that you've not got any money and they don't yeah. pay it back to you. They don't. No. They don't see like you know because no. they're mean, like we had reason to believe that you. I don't know if I mentioned this in the Boris Johnson one. I listened to a uh, woman called Jack Monroe, who's um, famous for having done poverty cookbooks, and okay. she she was she was penniless, nearly homeless, had a child to feed, and um, she talked about how she'd get a, f- a letter through from her local council saying they'd stopped her tax credits, and she'd phone them, and they wouldn't be able to tell her why. There, yeah. was, there was nothing on. There was no reason. They just stopped it. And she said it would take months for it to get reinstated, and then it would happen again. And she says, and in that time, I've accrued hundreds of pounds of debt. And she says, I know a thousand pound might not sound like a lot, but when you've got nothing, no, but a thousand pound yeah. isn't like to, to you or me. A thousand pound is a lot of money. No, it is a hundred percent. So yeah, and then you've got homelessness sanctions. So when someone's homeless and they're trying to get help, they'll get denied it if they don't do certain things. If they miss an appointment. Um, if like for job seekers, um, they'll get punished, and in it and here's the thing. So just to just a quick touch on you're getting punished for missing an appointment. This is a person who has potentially sleeping rough, has no mm. place of residence, has a very disrupted life. Clearly, yeah. now it's all well and good saying be there because you're like, well, they've got nothing else on. But let's say let's go back to an earlier point we made where the council move you on. You're sleeping rough and they move you on. Let's yeah. say the council paid for you, moved you on, or or the police very much encouraged you yeah. to move how are you now going to get back in time for your appointment yeah because you haven't got the you haven't got the travel money to get back so you've no. got to make somewhere you've got to hitchhike or steal a ride or you've got a mm. do you know what i mean it's, it's yeah like, and um and remember homeless people don't have access like for when for example they're looking for a job phones they don't have a phone they don't have access to cv making facilities um they can have an email address but they don't have and access they to access the job center is completely useless um, one of the things I was reading was that quite often when homeless people turn up to the job centre for help, no one's told the job centre they're homeless. Um, so yeah. like, there was this one. And then it causes problems. They go, "Well, we need these. We need these details. And yeah. Part of that is an address and whatever. It's like, yeah. well, I don't have a." He'd been sent to the job centre by his local council. I think that's not the same interview. And the local council. Um, hadn't told the job centre that he was homeless and then the job centre refused to help him. He then goes back to the council, they've said, well, the job centre said you didn't do what you needed to do. And it was all ridiculous. Um, another thing is outsourcing. Mm. Our country and our councils outsource the work to private companies, so it's just run like a business. And, and, and um, So we're treating people as numbers on a sheet of paper yeah. rather than human beings who need help. And here's the thing, not again, not to be, not to make it too political or anything, but if you think that when Brexit hits, certainly in the initial mm. period, that that won't get worse, yeah. that we won't be treated more like numbers than people. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I, I've sort of talked about what I've, improvements I think are needed, having taken advice from what I've read, and um, one of the big ones for me that I sort of thought about was, I think the control of the resources for tackling homelessness at a council level should be given to charities with a track record with excellence of tackling the issue. Um, So the local council for one of perhaps your Emmaus communities should be given control over maybe only a percentage but some of the funding available rather than the council having control And here's the thing, with the the Emmaus thing, um, part of the thing is that 
you have to sign off housing benefits, mm. but the, the charity claim housing benefits in your name. Yeah. So they get the money from the housing benefits. Okay. Um, obviously, that's not what some people are, are ineligible, and there are ways around that. No. Um, the charity is currently at 65, high 60s. Mm. It may have even turned over into the low 70s in the last few months but last I, I checked it was high 60s in terms of being uh, independent in okay. terms of funding as well as taking funding from the government yeah. um, in ways like housing benefits and stuff yeah. and also from just when when the government is forced to give money to yeah. charities so at the moment it's it's about it was the high 60s and it's constantly rising and they're looking their 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 ambition and it's a very realistic ambition is by 2021 to be 100% independent, to not be fantastic. relying on any money from the government mm. at all. And it's a very realistic ambition, I have to say. Yeah. The rate it's gone up is very high. But yeah, like you said, I think they should be given... And also, I think they should be invested... So, for, for example, in America, and I know we're not talking about America, and um, mm. it's really the, the Salvation Army, who are a frontline charity. They work with people actually in the streets, actually yeah. in the... In the um, they actually have a really anti-LGBT track record. Really? They completely refuse help and they try and block and make it as difficult as they can for people people in the LGBT community. Um, and so for me, charities like that should be the opposite. Rather than being given the, the money and encouraged to go and help more, Yeah. They should be, we should be trying to make sure that people aren't as reliant on them. So we should be offering more alternatives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm... I say, I haven't, I'm not aware of it being as much of an issue here in the UK where it's more of a charity than it is a religious charity. Mm. It's, it's obviously a religious charity, but it's more charitable than religious. Yeah. Whereas in the US, it's more religious than charitable. Yeah. And therefore, it is quite, I said, it does have quite an anti-LGBT thing. Yeah. And as we touched upon, one of the reasons, one of the causes for homelessness is that discord between an LGBT person and a, an anti-LGBT family member or or unit yeah yeah absolutely the other is obviously investment there's nowhere near enough money going into um, tackling homelessness um, and I know it's very easy to point at stuff like this but when you look at companies that make a huge amount of money out of our country that pay next to nothing in tax and you think that money could go to things like the NHS like mm. funding the welfare cuts to put them back up to where they should be um, I mean, another thing that I found was really disgusting was finding out that this temporary accommodation that they're giving people, they're converted office box, a yeah. lot of them. So they're rooms that are about the size of a bedroom that are supposed to fit a family. That basically has a toilet in it, a tiny little kitchenette, and one bed, and maybe a sofa. And they're expected, like, I've seen a video where a family of six were having to... And they're in it for sometimes a year to two years before they're rehomed. Well, I mean, Grenfell was a while ago now... And, and there's still, still people, people living in hotels. Have not, been, have not been, yeah. Yeah. Now, actually, around the corner from where we are right now, there's a gentleman whose family home, a woman drove through the front of it. Mm. Um, and obviously, it's a council house. Um, he, the father... I don't imagine that's why she drove through it, though. No. Like, fuck uh, she, she basically was an American. I think she got confused in the car. Instead of hitting the brakes, she hit Accelerate and just... Went. Right, that's not confusion, that's retardation. That's yeah, a huge it was a shit drive, basically. Sure, sure. So, um, you can't be, that's he really missed being Americans. killed by about 10 seconds. Now suffers with... Because he was in his downstairs toilet 
and literally within seconds of having left that toilet, the car had gone what through. What a way to go, Jurassic Park style. Um, and so he's him and his family been out of that property for, he said, over a year now. Um, they're living in a hotel, have done for a year. But again, it goes back to the thing... Now, the no, council pay for the hotel. They've still got to pay their rent. Yeah, exactly. They're paying rent on a property and they're not the thing, even here's living the thing in. Here's the thing, it goes back to... Again, it comes back to... They're victims. Yeah. Now they're double victims because yeah. they're victims of something that's caused by the fact that they were the thing that they were victims of in the first place. My fiance place. used to live next door to him, so she's known him since she was a baby. And we were chatting to him, and I said, "So, like, what's going on with your situation?" He said, "Oh, we're still paying the rent on it." I was like, "Have a word." So you've been out of it for a year. I said, "It's not like you caused a fire there or something, and it was being rebuilt. Someone drove into your house." So and what it is, is it's like it. it's a world apart from, for example, my dad. Um, bought a motorbike when he was a lot, lot younger. Yeah. Crashed it after about a week. Yeah. And we're still paying money on it. So for like a year or whatever, he was paying these payments on a bike that he, he had no use of. Yeah. That was his fault. He crashed yeah. it. Um, having chosen to pay the way he paid. Oh, he could only afford that way. But that's his... That situation there is nothing to do with... If they'd have like done what... Oh, we're going to do some home renovation and then yeah. ended up like, taking down a fucking support wall or something. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. You'd be like... Not fucking right, you pay yeah. rent, you fucking idiots. But someone else has done that damage. But they're victims of a of a crime and a, a, an attack. It wasn't a malicious attack, and it wasn't no. an intentional attack. But it's, it's you know the crime of an attack. And he now, now suffers with PTSD. And now they're crimes of this. Yeah. They're victims of this. Yeah. Having to pay for something that wasn't their so fault. So that means he's suffering from PTSD. He has to keep working because he's got to pay rent on a property he that can't he doesn't live use. In. Yeah. Um, and it's. But yeah, so um, obviously investment, I think there needs to be more education if Universal Credit's going to continue to go forward. Like 100%. People need to be educated going forward in school and we, on how we, to handle their finances. This is, you know, as much as most of you will not be shocked, um, you'll think, of course you did, you utter arseholes. But we briefly considered perhaps pursuing a career in policy. Yes, we did. And, um, Founding our own yeah, party. Yeah, ultimately you're all going to be like, yeah, of course you did, dickheads. You're exactly the kind of people that would. But one of the big things that we both agreed on, one of the big, it was that we we were going to... Was educational reform. Was, was making life uh, values um, mandatory. Yeah, fundamentals are, of living They were coming more and more. Yeah. But even now they're still not quite there. I they're mean, if you look at the, the amount... And don't know what they're doing. Particularly probably males that go into being self-employed having to handle their own taxes and mm. things like that that would have had no idea how to do that and have had to learn and might have got themselves in trouble fined whatever because they weren't taught at a young age how to handle finances and well i know i know someone who genuinely didn't understand the tax the, the, the way that you pay taxes was self was self-employed um and ended up about five and a half thousand pounds in debt over a sort of like four year period or whatever. Mm. Five and a half thousand pounds in debt because he wasn't paying enough tax. Yeah. And it was genuinely, it wasn't like a. A deliberate trial. It wasn't like a tax. It. It was... He genuinely thought he was doing everything to the letter fine. Yeah. And so when they when they audited him and pulled him up on it, he was like, had no hiding it at all. He was very he was like, yep, yeah, no, there's my, there's the money I've had coming in, there's the money I've given to the government. And they were like, well, that's not enough. Mm. He's like, what do you mean it's not enough? And you know, but no one. No. No one tells you that. No one tells but you also, that. Also, that's a failing of the government, in my opinion, or HMRC, leaving it that long till he's that bad a position to deal with the situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, 
But I mean, this is a subject we could talk about. No, and here's, here's another thing that I just want to quickly say that I think should be part of the thing, and it, it and it's a thing that I could get very passionate about, and we're going to do a financial episode at some point in the near yeah. future. But here's one of the things that I think, and it's, it's so, so independent companies, I've been saying this for ages now, so in the recent years, independent companies have, have gotten together, and okay, there are some that have been sanctioned by the government to carry out these uh, tests, these you know, data collection services. Yeah. But there's also lots of independent companies that are doing it and they all agree that the actual figure does vary and I will admit that between the government yeah. sanctioned ones and the independent ones. But they all agree that there is a a uh, minimum living wage. Yeah. An hourly rate that if people working uh, you know, I think it's I think it's thirty five is the figure, but thirty five hours a week um, have to be earning at least this to be able to afford to live on, you know, to be able to afford to pay Rent and it very obviously it's higher in London than it is out yeah, of London, yeah. higher in Manchester than it is out of Manchester. But they have to be paying, they have to be earning at least this on an hourly rate to be able to afford to feed themselves, to to live somewhere with yeah. a roof over their head, and and you know to to commute to and from work kind of thing. So if we all agree that there is a national living, uh, a minimum living wage, yeah. Why is the minimum wage not the same as that? Why is there a minimum wage that differs from that? Yeah. How does that make any sense? Because no, surely the idea of a minimum wage is to ensure that people are able to live on it. Yeah. And we're saying, well, there's a living wage and there's a minimum wage and there's a there's a there's a difference. Yeah. That is again that makes me laugh at the fact that we consider ourselves a first world country. Well, hundred percent. Um, so for me, that my point was, if we we ha- we all agree there's a living wage, the minimum wage has to be risen to meet that. Yeah. And it has to be evaluated every year because every year. Prices of everything goes, goes up. up. Rents go up. Rents go up. Food goes up. Literally everything, especially after not to bang on about Brexit. Yeah, Brexit, it's only going to get food worse. And stuff is going to go up. Yeah. And medicines are going to go up. Therefore, the living wage has to be reassessed. And if that rises, the minimum wage has to rise. I mean, the genuinely frightening thing that people aren't listening to is the food warnings. Yeah. Is that if you believe Boris Johnson that we're going to leave with no deal, with no deal, come hell or high on the 31st water, of October. There's going to be a food shortage. There is legitimately going to be a food yeah. shortage because the in, the influx of food will literally stop. And the majority of because our until, food... Until we can agree a tariff, no one's going to be sending yeah. food over here from from, from all across the, the European countries. Yeah. No one's going to be sending anything over here, particularly no. food, because they don't know what the tariffs are going to be. They don't know what the charge is going to be. They don't so, know how much they're going to be allowed to put through. So until all that's agreed, the, the advice which, by the way, given, comes with a deal... And this is from the heads of all the major food retailers. Yeah, Sainsbury's, Walmart, uh, yeah. you know, has the, all and, of them. And they've all said, things. start buying tin food and long-life food now. Yeah. Stock up. And the one, it, I mean, again, could, not to get into Brexit, the one thing about all these people are saying this, and it's voluntarily, we don't have to leave. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's in getting into hard time. I think the, the, the issue of homelessness is a, is a growing one, and it's only going to grow until we get yeah. a government that is willing to put money in the right places and yeah. that's not just tackling homelessness that's way before it to tackling the, the root yeah. of the causes of homelessness yeah. then it's not going to change and universal credit I think has been a huge huge contributory factor in the rising numbers of homelessness yeah and, f- and for me there has to be investment in just everything across the board education um, and that, well, that's health, it going to the roots health, start early yeah. teach people how yeah. I know it sounds like a dumb sentence to say teach people how not to be homeless but it's it'll teach people how to live their life in a way that reduces the risk and now I'm sounding like a politician without committing to anything but you're teaching people to live their life in a way uh, and, and 
conduct themselves mm. in a way that reduces the risk of homelessness. Um, I mean, for me, and this might sound a bit tin hat-ish, um, but for me, one of the reasons they don't do it is because if we're able to live our lives independently, and apologies for the kids screaming in the background. Yeah, you can hear that. That's um, our bad. That's their bad. That's their bad. I hope they end up homeless. Um, oh, wow. No, no, we're not going to do that here. We're not no. going to take shots at kids. No, these kids. I sort of want to. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> what was I saying? You were saying about the things that you think need to happen to... Oh, yeah, what I think is a bit tin hat-ish, and I apologise in advance, is I feel if we are able to live independently know how to handle our finances, are well-educated, are able to make informed, rational decisions, and we don't need the systems that are in place. We certainly don't need to rely on them as much, no. in which case we can reduce the investment in that. So yeah. by investing, it's again, you're investing to stop yourself having to spend money down the line. So yeah. invest in the education and you reduce that further along yeah. the way. Invest in more affordable housing mm. and you reduce the, the services that people are relying on. Yeah. It's, it's a really... Just treat people like people. I mean, That's another massive increase, one of the things that increased homelessness was, do you remember we bailed out Northern Rock? Yeah. Um, well, we then sold the debt off because it was screwing our economy um, onto private mm. banks and uh, companies that specialise in acquiring debt. And the government and these companies increased people's mortgages by ridiculous amounts. And the amount of people that became homeless and lost no, everything and there's loads of, of the there are loads of um, services, things like payday lenders, and again, we'll, oh, we'll get into yeah. that. We haven't done, you know, if you think we haven't touched on that, that's because that deserves its own episode. Yeah. But there's stuff like that, the services that are available, that you know who they're targeted at and who are at most, who need them, who rely on them, mm. are vulnerable people. Yeah. Who are already in that position where they're at risk of homelessness. Yeah. And it's, it, they don't help. We don't help them. Yeah. And like you said, wait, we don't help them. And then when they're in that situation, we treat them like numbers rather than people. Yeah. And we all look at them like they're disgusting reprobates that we should keep well clear of. Um, I mean, I hate going to central London because it breaks my heart mm. seeing the amount of homeless people. Um, I don't often carry cash around with me, but I always do when I go to London. Because you want to give a little. Because I like to give a little bit out. Well, I remember when I was back probably eight or nine, I remember giving my lunch to a number of homes, like along the along the Millennium Bridge. Yeah. I would walk and I gave like my chocolate bar to my sandwich to one, my chocolate bar to another, and my crisps to another. I have to say, I am impressed you that gave I gave that food. food, yeah, quite. <laughs> no, but look, here's my final advice. Have a little look, in. have a little Google about some, some reputable charities, and um, just do a bit, because it doesn't have to be financial. Obviously, money helps. Yeah. It doesn't have to be financial. Go and volunteer for like a couple of hours here and there. Even and honestly, it makes the biggest difference to helping these businesses operate. Also, do things like find out what local supermarkets have food donation bins. Don't give them to your local food bank. Give them to charities in your local area. Yeah, definitely Who that. are giving them definitely directly that. to homeless people. Um, if you live in the Carl Shorten area, go into the co-op in Carl Shorten, there's a food bank. Because in terms uh, in of the council the thing, not to make it sound, again, not sound tin hat or whatever, but I genuinely, I've seen a bloke pull up in this lovely little Mercedes, mm. stack up, and I genuinely, there's not a single thing about the way he was acting, the way he was, that yeah. made me think, oh, he's taking that to give to someone else, it's like, yeah. that is all for him, that is how he's staying yeah. rich. And go to your local food bank, and like, so yeah, if you live in the Carl Shorten area, if you're listening to this, go to the co-op in Carl Shorten, they have a food bin at the front of the store for Sutton Night Watch which is an incredible they've just got registered charity Great. Um, that 
supply that do um, soup kitchens for the local homeless. They want things like sweets, high sugar sweets, drinks that are high, high in sugar, sanitary products for women. Yes, um, sanitary, and that's another thing that we we should touch on as well. Is the, the fact that there's tax on on sanitary products yeah. that are literally the, the people need them. Yeah, and we're going to put high tax. That's like that's but again, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, good. Donate to those charities and stuff. And also, don't give you know it what? to you. And also, the reason I don't give to my local food bank is because I found out off of someone who worked for a small local charity that the food bank had a surplus of food and they were starting to dispose of the food. Yeah. Because they had no ad- give it to the smaller charity. Yeah, and, and let, anyway, here's, here's, the, here's the other thing. Also, <laughs> do you know what also is really going to help? Um, is you rate this podcast? Absolutely. If you share it, share the post, share a link yeah. to it. Yeah. Every time you hit the like button and share button, a homeless person gets their wings. And also, <laughs> I want to know this as well. Tweet us at Swords Crossing if you do off the back of this decide to go and give either a bit of money or a bit of time or a bit of food to a yeah. charity tweet us at Source Crossing let us know yeah. what, what charity you did and also by doing that we can then share that on and yeah. encourage other people to do the same and follow your footsteps and you can you can lead a great great revolution so, yeah, so one of the charities I'd like to give a shout out to is Sutton Nightwatch I've mentioned them a few times now they work in our local area they are absolutely fantastic They've bought their. They want to buy their own. Um, I don't know if they've achieved it yet. Their own London bus. It's purple because that's the colour of their charity. Right. Okay. Um, because they like to give people somewhere to come that's warm, have something to eat. And we, um, just, so. I just want to give a. I will give a shout out to one, which is a great one to do in terms of the frontline stuff. And they're always looking for volunteers, particularly around Christmas. Is crisis. Um, Crisis are a great frontline charity that deal with homeless, rough sleepers on the streets, people who are um, in need of food and accommodation, and they're really, really good at it. Yeah. They're a fantastic group of people. The volunteers that I've worked with with them, because we work in conjunction with them, and they, and also Crisis, they refer homeless people onto us, so they actually find the people who they think would benefit the most from it, and okay. they refer them onto us. They're well, one of the brilliant. big referral systems, uh, or the one of the bigger people who do refer um, mm. uh, they're a fantastic frontline charity and if you're looking to give up a little bit of time or a little bit of money they'd be very grateful for it and they're a fantastic cause so then Sutton might watch just just go and do it seriously food, food yeah. banks like not the not the council food bank no absolutely not um, but yeah guys thank you for listening yeah uh, thanks for making it this far yeah we hope well, if you've made it this far thank you for listening to it thank you for supporting us please keep sharing liking subscribing reviewing you know, the hand jobs are on their way. They certainly will be if you've made it this far. Yeah. I don't want to offer them out again, but I will. Yeah. If absolutely. you're still here, be prepared for a little bit of happy ending. Yeah, and we hope you enjoy these uh, deeper ones where we're talking about admittedly depressing subjects. But yeah, look, we like to get a good balance between the fun stuff yeah, and the deeper stuff. Um, we enjoy doing both. Um, but we these can't ones, do these stuff that often because... They are very lengthy. I mean, we could sit here and talk for another hour without And also, something like this, obviously, we tangent off onto so many other sectors that deserve their own But as episodes. we said at the start, there's these little threads you pull on one and it pulls out this whole other... And also, the, also these, you know, look, to talk about, to try and bring it back around a little bit and bring it full circle is these require you know for us to really do justice they require us to do a little bit of research they require us to really sit down and think about it and talk yeah, about it absolutely. and the truth is we both work full-time jobs because you know we are not that well off no. and we need it to make sure that we don't end up homeless and therefore we can't commit as much time to doing them every single week no so sometimes doing a fun one it's uh 
less laborious. It, and task. it's not, you know, they do still involve some looking into, but not quite as much. Not, not as quite much as much. And also, if we get it wrong, it's not as much. It's not nearly a bigger deal if we get it wrong in a fun one than it is if we get it wrong tackling a serious issue. Absolutely. Uh, for us, anyway, from our own moral standpoint. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. So we love you guys. Guys, we- hang on before you end. Let's just say, wake up, wake up. It's over now. <laughs> yeah, you can stop sleeping. You can get up. Hope you enjoyed your nap. You can get up and go and put it on someone else who you don't like. <laughs> Play it for them. And Play we will uh, see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye.